TC and Jake. How's the Valley of the Sun? Is it a buzz with you know, the news a- of Kevin Durant? Uh, it's weird, man. I mean, it's the Super Bowl, first of all. So, you know, there's a very high T. This is kind of and, the Super Bowl uh, of the trade deadline. You know what? It's one of the bigger trade deadlines we've had in a long time. Um, but no, I, I did not get the sense today that there was uh, too much buzz about the Kevin Durant trade because people were too busy uh, trying to get Ed McCaffrey to sell him dick pills. <laughs> did you Who talk actually, to Ed McCaffrey? Uh, I know how you love it. I did not. We had him on last year. Um, but honest to God, when I walked into the hotel this afternoon, he was sleeping on one of the couches in the lobby. Wow. What a yeah. thing. I know. And, who and I knew? knew they were here because... <clears throat> we, You know, there was a time when we weren't even sure if he'd be healthy enough to just be lounging around wherever he wanted. There was a time whenever our biggest concern was, will Ed McCaffrey's leg heal normally? Didn't last long. No. That time. Just a short little window. <laughs> there were some, some other concerns that presented themselves pretty quickly. The question but, on uh, everyone's lips. Will Ed McCaffrey's leg heal? And where's that plane going? <laughs> whoa. Where, hey, whoa. That thing is... Oh, oh my whoa. God. <clears throat> whoa. Oh. Um, went to see Shane again last night. Amazing. Uh, yeah. But it was weird, though, man. Like... Uh, so there were four comedians mm-hmm. and I guess I you know, you, when you live in like your own little world, you just don't know like who is and isn't the most or more famous person than another one. Yeah. And I guess Bert's like a way bigger deal. Yeah. You seemed to indicate you were surprised he was headline. Uh, I, like just Shane, but like the, the show that we saw was like, I don't know what his fifth headlining a theater of that size in his life. Where's okay, but here's the thing. Bert does like out of stadiums. The, out of the four, he was uh, he performed second. Like he was third on the bill. Who Norman was ahead of him? Mark Norman uh, is it Normandy? I think it's just Norman. But I could okay, be wrong. Well, he was uh, yeah he was he was ahead of him and got like twenty more minutes. That's very surprising to be, and not a good allocation of time, in my opinion. I mean, you were at the show. Tell me. I keep on yeah, no, suspecting I, I, that his stand-up must be good because his podcast appearances are so bad. There's no way they're letting him keep going on these things unless he just kills whenever he's on the stage. Uh, I don't need to talk shit about people. I'm sure he's doing great. <laughs> he's got the love of God in him, and I appreciate that. You know what? It was funny. Gordon, uh, so I went with Gordon, and Gordon and I were talking about it afterward. Um, he has like a really weird, almost like modern-day Catskills-type delivery. Yeah, that's, like that's he, what I pick up on up, that I don't like. Set him up, knock him down. Set him up, knock him down. Set <laughs> him up, knock him down. And for about the first 20 minutes of his 40-minute set, I was like, this is just not my type of thing. But he kind of reeled me in a little bit. That's good. Um, yeah, so overall, I would say my experience with him was good. And then Bert got, you know, 55 to an hour. Yeah, I mean, and yes. If you're wondering, he still does every set with his shirt off. I, I'm, I'm never going to wonder that. That's just okay until he dies. There's no time he's going to start doing it with shirt on. It's not him. He came out. He came out with a shirt, fired it off, and had like almost like a full pitcher of beer. That's beautiful. And just like 
guzzled the whole thing and then just like started into his set. It's, yeah, I mean, hey, the guy's got a bit and I guess it works, but I think he's a lot funnier on a podcast than he is in stand up. It was good. It's just Shane is to me by far of the four comedians I saw, by far the one I would like to hear the most from. Saturday was one of the great performances I've seen in my life. Without a doubt. And like, so what I saw last night was he kind of had to like truncate that. And That's too he, bad. Did, he, uh, he still started with and like wrapped everything around the, uh, my girlfriend's ex-boyfriend is a Navy SEAL. Nice. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> but he just, he just didn't have as much room to work yeah. uh, within the context of that story and like making everything come back to that. Um, but it was still great. And it was weird, man. It was almost like he knew, and I'm, I'm funnier than the people here, but maybe that was also me just kind of projecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely the things I like about Bert come across by far most strongly, like just his childlike nature, just especially when paired with Tom, like Tom projects much like next to Bert, he projects much more as an adult. And having him yes. like kind of shepherd this toddler along, it's yes. uh, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's a uh, it's a wonderful experience. But yeah, th- then having the toddler talk by himself for now, I I like some of Bert's uh, specials. I I don't. It, uh, there was one we were watching. Megan and I watched uh, Secret Time within the last two weeks, and he was describing as a child uh, thinking that uh, his dad would just be impressed with his aim. If he was able to get a spitball stuck to the front of his dad's glasses while his dad was driving, <laughs> like just uh, figuring like if, if he did that, he'd just be like, oh, my God, he, he fucking nailed it. <laughs> We've got a prodigy. And he uh, he missed and just went straight into his dad's ear. The spitball did and he just flipped the fuck out. And uh, I, I couldn't compose myself because I there was so many times it was never directed at my dad. It was usually pranks on Daniel. Where I was like, the family loves pranks. They're going to think this is great. They never loved pranks <laughs> yeah. at any point. I can't remember a single time no. that they were like, that was a great prank. I love pranks and yeah. I just figured like, dude, this is going to kill. Whenever I, uh, the uh, the classic, uh, you know, leaving the uh, Parmesan cap just on a little bit. So that whenever you try and shake some onto the pizza, the whole thing falls out. I, th- I thought they're going to be like, this is a fucking new comedic territory. They're going to put me on the shoulders, carry me around the restaurant chanting. No, they almost hit me, dude. They were fucking pissed. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, one, the one thing I will tell you about his act, though, and <clears throat> I think him and Tom both pulled this off pretty well, it's that they're able to do bits that involve them being stupid rich and you don't get mad at them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that they're rich. Like, I don't know how you, yeah, I don't know exactly they're how using you, it right. you know, again, thread that needle. But yeah, he had a story about like buying up every single uh, raffle ticket at his kids' uh, children's, you know, school function mm-hmm. because the other parents wouldn't buy the tickets because they had found out that the money was going to be split between uh, their school and like a more economically disadvantaged school. Oh, no. So he just bought all, he just bought all of them. <laughs> That's nice. Which probably was 10, 15 grand, but then also won every prize. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And he said he was just fucked up, like walking up there like, an iPad? Great. And then like <laughs> prize, prize four, it's like a VR helmet. And he's like, incredible. And just kept winning. I don't know. Like that's the sort of thing where you have to make $20 million a year to pull it off. Uh, but somehow he 
does it and you aren't like, boy, this guy's a dick. So it was a good time overall. Yeah. Like him asking Tom how charity works was an amazing moment in time. <laughs> yeah, there was there was shades of that to it last night as well. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And then in the afternoon, dude, I, I don't know if, how many people heard like yesterday afternoon on the hard line. Um, but so I went to Tempe with George and Donovan and I had one cocktail and they probably had six. Mm-hmm. And the big man is just on fire. Like, I mean, it's, I don't even know what time it was here when we left. Like, it was right after our show. So it's like three o'clock and we're like at these college bars. Yeah. Like in downtown Tempe and the big man's just chatting everybody up and doing, doing the gritty. And (laughs) and we came back and hopped on the hard line and he was just, dude, he's incredible. Like he's the most amazing person I think I've ever been around. Yeah. Whatever you see it going like that. And I mean, you know, you can speak to this far more than me, but. Uh, yeah, dude, it's fucking amazing. I've never met someone doesn't, with such effortless charisma. He doesn't tire. He did fake Michael Irvin for us on our show a few hours before with, uh, Cataldi. Uh, he's walking around the media center and everybody just wants to talk to him. And it's just, dude, he's, it's like when you see him like really in his element, that's when you're like, yeah, I mean, I can't do that. Like, I mean, whatever. if you've ever you know. thought like, oh, you know, I should, uh, maybe I should, uh, have advanced further in my career, but then like you run into a guy and you're like, all right, well, this guy's on, he's, this is, I'm not bad. No one. There's a lot of successful people who can't match George. It's not, it's not a big deal. I've never met anyone. Sure. That can't. No. Like he's, he's a unique, there's, he's a one of one. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a path to success that doesn't involve you being Tom Brady. Um, yeah. but when you run into him, you just want to get a Jersey signed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's, that, that's how I felt for most of this week. Do you have any other highlights? Hannibal's tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. What was and, the uh, uh, that's what way- is the Mullet Arena? Um I think it's where the hockey team used to play. Okay. But the hockey team got crossways with the city over a new arena. And I actually wonder if uh remember when we have I can't remember if we ever had him on the podcast. I know we had him on Bad Radio. Um, that guy who did like a ton of exhaustive writing about like the Fulton County Stadium and the Arlington Stadium. He had yeah. a website. I can't. Field of Schemes. I would be right? interested to see what he. Yeah, exactly. Field of Schemes. I'd be interested to see what he thinks about this because the way I understand it is He's basically. He's written about it extensively. I've read a lot of the articles. It's a pretty amazing situation. Okay. So I think what basically happened is it was one of the first times that a city was like, fuck you. And like yeah. called their bluff. And now they play it like a college that has, you know, no real like lighting for television. Like everything looks bad on TV. Um, but they just said, Hey, we're going to move if you guys don't give us what we want. And they were like, well, we don't care. So fuck off. Yeah. And now there's just this arena. There's just, now there's just this this arena out in Tempe that I don't really think does anything. Uh, it's the, I think it's by you. The, the one that the coyotes used to play in is, is Glendale. It's it's like it's by the State Farm Stadium and all that. It's like kind of integrated into a mall. It's like if South Lake Town Center had a hockey team, sort of. I believe. Okay, uh, I think it might have been called the uh, Gila River uh, Arena. Gila River is like a, a casino out there, but I think that they sponsored oh, yeah. the arena. 
There's signages um, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does look like South Lake Town Center. I was right. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's the north side of the Cardinals Stadium. It's sharing a parking lot. I don't know why I care to tell you about Phoenix geography. I'm a, I mean, it's always frustrating to me how much I know it because I, you know, can't emphasize this enough. I hate Phoenix. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what your experience is. It's not like it's impossible to have a good time. It's fine. My point always is that there are no bad large American cities. I would say there probably are no large bad cities, period. Like, the, you get enough people together, it's going to be good. But if you talk about having that many people together, I'd prefer, one, that it's not in the desert, two, that it's not so spread out, and three, that it has, like, you know, some indication that fucking humans rather than machines live there. It's just all this fucking cookie cutter bullshit. Whatever. I don't know. You know, you know. The deal. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, How many Burger you know, Kings can you to, fit into one area? I said something to, Dol- uh, to Donovan about this when we were walking yesterday. Just like half the buildings you see, you're like, that could only exist here. And it's because it sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <they're> just, <laughs> there's just a lot of buildings that suck. Um, it looks like everyone seen- all the architects were just like kind of exhausted sort of reaching the end of their <laughs> yeah. lives yeah it's like <laughs> this will uh, be fine like i don't know if you ever play play-doh with izzy but like if i get out like you know three things of play-doh and we make a few things the last one sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's just whatever we had left and Nora's like i guess and i'm like well those colors suck they're all mixed up like we didn't really have enough to finish out this model uh and that's kind of how most of the buildings here look yeah, it's the third Play-Doh structure in a, a Play-Doh run. That's, yeah, uh, exactly. It's classic Phoenix. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah, another you, thing that... Uh, have you made it out to the well, waste management see. open? No, but uh, our good friend, Kevin Vela, offered me tickets. But, uh, oh, I hell yeah. Pass, I, I passed them on to uh, Bob and Corby. Mm. Not exactly uh, great for our time slot. That's too bad. I've heard it's... yeah. The party of all parties. I'm sure you have too. Uh, yeah, I think my, my brother's been once actually. That's great. I would love to go to the Waste Management Open with yeah. your brother. Right. He's at times sort of the Waste Management Open of humans. <laughs> yes. Two great tastes that go great together. Uh, exactly. Whenever I was listening to that podcast where they were talking about, uh, you know, either Jerry Jones or Mark Cuban having sex with a woman in a, like just in the middle of a club. Uh, the woman, one of the hostesses, I, I think that like she lives in Dallas, but she had flown out there just because all of the hot women in America are just like contracted to be at the waste management open. Like, you know, she was, uh, she was bartending, but like, you know, she was just, I remember you telling me this. Yeah. She's one of the really pretty bartenders in Dallas. And so the waste management people are just like, yeah, dude, we'll play, pay for your ticket, whatever. But in the middle of it, she like reached down and I, I, don't, I don't remember what was in there, but something with a sharp edge just sliced her fucking arm open. It was just bartending with like blood pouring out of her arm, <laughs> just trying to figure out some way to stop it in the middle of this very hectic environment. It's quite Somehow a scene to feels, imagine. Feels very Phoenix to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the other thing too, like if and I probably mentioned this last time I was out here uh, or on this trip and it does seem to be ramped up a little bit here as opposed to Miami or even LA. Dude, there's so much like Mardi Gras 
crazy Bible stuff. Ooh, I love that. Like if you if you go to the French Quarter, particularly during Mardi Gras, and there's just people with mics and monitors, and they're just they've got pamphlets and they're aggressive and they're yelling at you. Um, there was uh, you know Dan got some audio from some, from some people that were like from the like pro sex worker lobby, which is obviously different. But then ninety percent of it is just straight up yelling about hell. And they're right outside the hotel because we're right across the street from the convention center. And I'm talking like right across the street. Like it's by far the best hotel convention center setup that you could imagine. And they're just like right outside our front door with huge signs and huge speakers. And they just yell, yell, yell. That's really cool. Yeah, it's great. He loves seeing people alive with the spirit of the Lord. Uh, Josh was telling me he, uh, was, uh, walking to, uh, enjoy a nice meal, not by himself, of course, that'd be dangerous. (laughs) And, uh, they, uh, they were going by, um, God, he just told me the name of the park, but I don't remember it. Maybe Knox park. I, I just, you know, which park it is. It's the one like between, uh, McKinney and Cole, uh, kind of like North of uptown, but it's sort of part of uptown South of Fitzhugh. You know what I'm talking about. There's a bunch I've of uh, baseball there before. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of uh, tennis courts there, and he said that they had converted most of them into pickleball courts now, which was a sign to me that I'm getting older, and that sparked my fear of death. So I shook my head and pretended like what I don't like is the pickleball courts, when in fact what I don't like is the fact that I will die. But uh, they were they were a bunch of people there playing pickleball. And uh, he gathered that one of the pickleball teams was kind of known as a LGBTQ pickleball team because there was a single solitary protester with like a karaoke setup, being like fucking stop your sinful ways, protesting a gay pickleball team. Very Just, cool. Very, very great use of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank God you were given this shot to be on this beautiful earth. This is definitely what God wanted you to do with it. Harass other people who are trying to play sports. Man, uh, not to just like go too much back to Jub, but we took a cab from, uh, from the airport together on Sunday. And we mm-hmm. got a gem of a driver. And the fact that that Chinese balloon was in the air that day. Ooh. Yeah, like and the the reason that made me think of it is I was listening back to the audio and like the quality's not great, um, but the number of times that he tried to get LGBTQ correct but didn't was all of them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> so he was aware that there was a you know, as Jeezy might say, the Alphabet Boys. Uh, <laughs> when speaking of federal agencies, he he was aware that there was someone he was mad at. They were represented by a series of letters that started with L. He did get that one every time. But past mm-hmm. that, buddy, it, it was G just was a, a little collect- too far for him. Q kept moving up, you know. He yeah. Dude, how was, did the gays uh, let really lesbians something. put put together the acronym? Yeah, I don't know. That's it's interesting. Uh that's a good question. I'd actually like to know how that came about because obviously, you know, when it was primarily gay men uh, that first got, I suppose, recognized as, hey, these are people, uh, they never really thought that they needed to squat on the, fir- the first letter 
Yeah, no, uh, they, they the didn't get their domain the name game like, correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could think of a, a gay woman, but you'd never think of a, a lesbian man. I think the gay is just the it's kind of a dominant term in the space, and how the acronym doesn't start with G. I don't know, man. It doesn't sit right. Yeah, right. that's that's a great point. That's a great point. But yeah, he had he had all sorts of extremely hot opinions, and yeah, if you're wondering. Jub can wind that up pretty well. That's good. It was fantastic. It was uh, fantastic. I've been thinking a lot about where I would want to fit into the WNBA if I was going to join the WNBA. Like, okay, you probably like, so wouldn't. Would you want to be front office or player type thing, or like where on the floor? Where on the floor? Okay. Like, uh, you wouldn't want to be a bench warmer. Like, you would probably keep your life now if it was just like bench warmer in the WNBA. And it doesn't seem great. But like if it was like, like financially, whatever, the whole lifestyle, like I, I would assume okay. you'd be willing to make less money if all you're doing is playing basketball. Right. Like that seems like a fun life. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure and this is going to come off extremely uppity, but I think they fly commercial and like probably don't have a great situation as far as like, you know, day to day accommodations. Like they're probably staying at a place that's less nice than the one that I am right now. So what I want to make less money to actually have less stuff, but See, I also is, just go play. Yeah, this is a great. This is great getting into it because I, I could be wrong. I'm certainly not like a eagle-eyed following this situation, but it's my understanding that. There's uh, disagreements in the WNBA currently because there's a new class of owners who have a bunch of money, think it's cool to own a franchise and just want to, you know, they don't really care that much about how much money it makes uh, or if it makes money at all. And I think like the New York Liberty, like their their owners got docked, got dinged by the league at some point because they were flying everyone around private. Like they they don't care about spending on the players. They just think you know it's cool. We love women's basketball. We'll fucking fly them on planes. Who gives a shit? Um, and like some of the you know other teams are like, I can't afford that. My free agents are all going to leave because of it. You have to stop them. And I don't know how that got adjudicated. I think it was it was definitely more than a year ago that I read this story about it, uh, and I have not returned to the topic. But uh, if it is the case that some of the teams play or uh, have you know the nice accommodations the private planes and everything else i think that is the case then uh then i think what you're saying is you just want to be a good enough player to uh so would would you do that like uh if you got to be a free agent like what's the nba rookie contract length coming into the league uh well it's not like the nfl so it's it can be anything you know like oh it can yeah, be, yeah yeah that's right of course typically well, i mean i guess four years Typically, a first-round pick is four years, but if you fall to the second round, it can be a 2-1, so it's, it's different. So would you, if, if you, like, let's say you're just starting life over. Like, you, you probably would have done those planes, you know, uh, ages 20 through 24, right? Sure. So, like, if, if, you, if you just felt like you were a good enough prospect that you could make it to one of the good teams in free agency and start getting your private jets, you, you'd do that, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would have done that. You know, there's like a, this is so ridiculous, but that there's a current WNBA like salary related controversy. I, I don't know anything about what's going on with the WNBA right now. 
Okay, so this is the team I want to play for. Uh, Mark Davis apparently owns a team. Hell yeah. And Aces? Uh, they're be- yeah, exactly. And they're being Lucky investigated aces. for uh, paying people off the books, which Ooh. is definitely the sort of thing that you only think you can get away with if you're dealing with the WNBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get, if you do find that <laughs> out, you got to crack down on that. But it's, it's definitely the sort of thing to... where you're like, fucking WNBA is going to care about this. Like, yeah, we'll pay you <laughs> yeah. whatever. We don't give a shit. Who's going to find out? And then somebody narked. They've been arrayed, accused of arranging calls with potential signees in which they would be offered a specific amount of money for a particular pre-selected company. The work involved would be negligible. Yeah. It's quite a little, yeah, he's just trying to run the WNBA. That's pretty, it's pretty tight. Then, it's extremely uh, Mark and Al Davis. <laughs> what level of WNBA star would you need to be? Is there a level of WNBA star that you would need to be where you would trade spots or you wouldn't trade spots with Anthony Bennett? Like right now, would you say you Ooh. want Anthony Bennett's life? Is he in China? I don't know, but you got the ball out in college. That sounds pretty fun. Like I, you know, he was on he's UNLV, right? So it's not like you got to win championships at Duke or something, but he probably had a good time. Like being a great basketball star in Las Vegas sounds fun to me. And then the rush of being selected one, that was a good summer for him. He felt, he felt, you know, accomplished. That was cool. He got to play for a while. Longer than most people do. So would <laughs> would you trade and, would you trade with Anthony Bennett? And would you like you know it, would you rather be like four time WNBA MVP or would you rather be Anthony Bennett? Hmm. And as part of this uh equation, like the mental stress of just walking around like all the time being like I'm a bust and like when people make documentaries about busts, you're on it all the time. And that's part yeah. of it, I would imagine. Yeah. Boy, that's a good question. So he made $11 million in his first two He's years. He's playing in Taiwan now. And if he goes off there, who knows? You know, maybe he could make it back. Yeah, probably not. He's not a young man anymore. I think I, think I still have to go Anthony Bennett. Is there any, like, so, what if you were the greatest player in WNBA history? I think I would rather, I like, from, from what you're talking about, I kind of put down my list of concerns, the pressures of walking around as a bust, but it does matter. And having the full inverse of walking around being like, of everyone who tried to do what I did, I was the best. That sounds like the best feeling you could possibly have. Be the fucking Michael Jordan of the WNBA. Now, ask me who the Michael Jordan of the WNBA is. I don't know. see that's part of it and and the other thing too is that i i actually think as someone who uh ordered jump shoes from east bay once upon a time i actually think that if i were able to just one time off one foot like just fucking flush one yeah that i would prefer that feeling over being the michael jordan of the nba uh, but, you know, women can do that, dude. Come on. Candace Parker has pops. No. No, that's that's not the same thing. That's a little, little bunny hop, two foot. That's just, that's not the same thing. 
Caden Parker Bennett started dunking, like dunking as a, a, a sophomore in high school. I'm pretty sure that she can do. Go go look up a Candace Parker dunk reel. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you don't think Brittany Griner can flush one? I mean, I, I've, I, I've seen her dunk before, but it just doesn't look as fun. Like, okay, so in this scenario, I'm Anthony Bennett. I can still go get like a half million dollar check uh, in Israel or in Taiwan. And when I come home, I go to the local LA fitness uh, and I just destroy people. Yeah. And I have like a pretty good financial life and I show up and nobody like really knows what I look like. If they hear my name, I'm going to get clowned. But if they don't hear my <laughs> name and I'm just like, oh, I'm just like, yeah, I go by AB. Uh, and then my life is Tony. just going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I go by Tony and my life is just, I got a pretty good living and I spend the rest of my time showing up and just destroying like the Mike Marshalls of the world and rec league games. Does sound nice. That sounds that that actually sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, but if you were Cynthia Cooper, don't you think you could do that? I looked up uh, who's the best WNBA player. It says four-time Finals MVP Cynthia Cooper. No, I don't think that. I don't think that at all. Brittany Griner could wreck oh. a fucking YMCA game, don't you think? I forgot. I, I forgot. I made a green tea. Oh, that's nice. A little hotel green mm-hmm. tea. Yeah, I just looked over here because usually they just have coffee, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my game. But hey, a little green tea. I'll take it. It sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Like, I, certainly, I've heard of plenty of WNBA players, but what Google says is the best one of all time. I'm really drawing a blank. You're a basketball want- fan. You hosted the postgame show for a while. Tell me something about Cynthia Cooper. Just don't think I can. Just don't think I can. But mainly just because I would have a hard time putting it into words. Yeah. You know? I, I do think it would be short. I would love <laughs> I would love to be a fucking a good if like just a, a solid starter, one of the best two or three te- players on like a playoff team, WNBA. I think that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, and I, look, I don't know. I, I don't know how popular the WNBA is uh, among. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like, again, to reference Shane, when Shane talks about slave movies. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I think about the WNBA, my overarching thought is, who's this, who's this for? Because <laughs> <laughs> like you yeah. don't meet, you know, like Dan's daughters were really into sports and they just like – unrelentingly made fun of the WNBA. <laughs> and like, so I just, <laughs> I've never totally understood, you know, and it, somebody asked, I, there's another comedian that actually has a bit about this. It might be Bill Burr. It's like, yeah, you know, you want them to make more money. None of you like it. No women yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah so no, I, 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 I get all that. It wouldn't be about like the fans. I, who gives a shit about the fans, dude? It's just I'm just talking about lining up, Fucking getting yeah. around the man in front of you or woman in front of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it really all goes back. I don't know if you remember me whenever I was real hyped up on telling you the one dream in my life I've ever remembered. But what like the one dream I had where I was playing in Indiana and I was just like, uh, I, I got like six points, but it was at like a key part of the game. And then I got like a good stop on defense like towards the end. And like yeah. that was it. 
and that feeling, if I could just have, like, I would do anything. I would do anything for that feel. Like how I felt in the dream, that was so good. And if if they're just getting to do that, fuck, dude. Once a week, you know, they have a good game. Like they're 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 making making a difference, kind of helping helping the girls to victory. That sounds really nice. Competition is beautiful. If, That's as close to like uh, what we're evolved for. Like, like whenever you just, you know, uh, going back to my constant thing of imagining how good it feels to be a duck that catches a fish. Uh, like fucking, that's a duck catching a fish, dude. Whatever the fuck we're doing is nice. And certainly like, uh, I, I like just think about that compared to like a well, like a fucking finance job or something like that. Dude, be out on the court. Sounds yeah, nice. and I know this is I know this is ridiculous, but this is what I try to explain to my wife when it comes to look. I need you to let me peel off an hour and a half on Sunday to go out to this black football game. Yeah, like even if I'm like barely a part of it, if I protect this guy and he just laces a nine route, that's pretty much the best part of my week. Yes, like if so, if someone wants to try to run through or around me, and I'm able to effectively slide in front of him. And then, uh, you know, someone puts one in a bucket and we score. That It's also uh, reinforcing how pathetic our lives are, but that's, that's, <laughs> it's pretty fun. You're Mufasa taking down TC. a gazelle. It's what you well, were meant for, dude. It's the closest I'm going to get to it. I can tell you that. And I guess um, this is why people play golf. Like I okay. always hear people say that, I mean, cause yeah, I don't get that at all, but I do hear people say that. The just the pursuit of having something that you're trying to get better at, because most people I think like primarily yeah, get a, into their basketball is a little more like, than ah, that. Fuck it. Sorry, sure. I know I mean, we're talking over each other a lot. I think we got a pretty big delay right now, so just listeners, bear with us. I hope this doesn't sound terrible. It's okay. We're doing it. That's the yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. The difference is is that there's another person that you're going against, which is it just not feels more though. physical. It feels like you're out there cutting it up a little yeah. more. It doesn't really feel like you're cutting it up to just fucking whack a ball, even if you are outside. How how much could the juices possibly get going in that setting? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, know, for all the people who like it, God bless them. They're they're doing more than I am. Although you know, fucking lighting people up on those Madden sticks, it's not nothing. That that feels like it's about golf to me. I I feel like I'm doing as much as the golf people. <laughs> Uh, by the way, yeah, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't disagree. A uh, lot of talk from Sertain last week beforehand. Played two games, one and one. Split the games. So maybe he is one of the 100 greatest players alive, but if so, so am I. Felt good about That's it. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, That's pretty you know. impressive. Um... Then uh, you want me to tell the, the the wrecking your car story, the taking a dump in a car story, or should I? I mean, I guess if we don't use his name, he's okay with it, right? He was very clear that as long as we don't use okay. his name, that it was it was for that. Okay, yeah, you go for it. My internet here kind of sucks, as you can probably tell. So yeah, you <laughs> knock yourself out. I want to be clear. This story is not about that. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because um, we're not using a name, it's not because I'm trying to hide something. So uh, our man, longtime listener, treasured friend of the podcast, 
uh, lets us know uh, that he he had a nice little morning. It did include a good amount of coffee. He's driving to work. Uh, the bubble gut start. I'm now reading. And now I'm having to debate if I pull over and find a spot or can I make it work? I'm in the express lane flying. But even then I decide I've got to take the next exit, find a place. And I just getting off uh, the express lane to go take a break just seems like such a big, uh, you, you're really paying a cost there. Um, and like, uh, you know, that just, it's going to take some time exiting out like before the express lane's done before you're off the highway before you're into a business so if it's feeling really urgent then like you just you got a small window uh but uh he hits traffic there's a fucking there's a, a wreck in the express lane uh this is uh mm. irving the going through 114 so the express lanes just stopped and uh by the time he gets done with it he's full crisis mode it's no chance of making it anywhere. Uh, but he is off the highway. So just pulls over, searches the car, tries to find anything he can in the car. And he comes up with, these are the, the MacGyver tools that he has to solve this problem. A set of baby wipes. <laughs> Helpful. A plastic bag. <laughs> and, and a dog bowl. I think he's got some kind of SUV set up, just kind of climbs over the uh, the first seat. You know, doesn't want to do it in the driver's seat. He's a civilized human after all. And uh, squats over the dog bowl in the back and uh, then uses the, the baby wipes to clean up, puts the whole concoction into the grocery bag and fucking wrecks someone's day by uh, throwing it into the next dumpster he finds. Imagine being like, like I, whenever I worked at Domino's, I'd have to take stuff out to the dumpster all the time. If I'm being greeted by the smell of fresh human shit when I get out there, I'm not feeling good about that. No, and there's no way you can take that back to your house, your house. I mean, that's too no, risky. No, no. Even if there's like, even if there's like a 1% chance that, you know, if you just went straight to uh, your, your trash can, the one that you put at the curb, that 1% chance is way too risky. Like the, Get it the out of concept. your life as, as soon as you can. You have to put it in there. Yeah, absolutely. No other choice. Absolutely. The concept of your wife finding a bag with a dog bowl that you shit in, uh, yeah. no matter how, how unlikely it is, that I mean, I would probably get divorced. Like, and I may even just <laughs> yeah. ask. Yeah, like, yeah. She may, she, I may just be like, look, I can't. There's no way I'm going to ever be normal again. Or uh, don't ask. Just keep driving. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just... <laughs> just like the guy who went to get cigarettes. Dude, I had yeah. a situation. Keep going. This is so gross. But uh, so I was headed to the station. Uh, it was like a month ago or so, maybe three or four weeks ago. But like everyone in my house had a stomach bug at some point over like a 10-day period. Mm -hmm. Like I think I told you about the one night I had, didn't I? You probably did, but I don't remember. Dude, I had one night that was one of the most terrifying, like, 12-hour periods of my life. Like, I'm talking Whoa. every half every half an hour, either top or bottom, and never uh, anything less than maximum urgency. Oh, and, and the problem, the way that uh, the human body works is that sometimes uh, the mechanism that uh, allows you to do one, typically the top, 
like begets that you immediately have to do the other. So it was almost like a breakdance move of like flipping around mm. without ever touching it. <laughs> like I'm going to pop, yeah. pop up and flip around. And so that next day, I think that was a Saturday night. Uh, I had a cowboy post game show and I got onto the freeway and was like, I, yeah, I'm in trouble. And I made it to the first exit, but barely ran a red light. Absolutely. was just like, you know, it was like Sunday evening and I'm like, there's just, I'm not waiting an extra 30 seconds. I'm not waiting an extra three seconds at this light. And then ran in and I felt so bad because as I was approaching the bathroom at this uh, combo gas station water burger by the airport, mm-hmm. as I'm leaving the station, I can see the guy who works there signing the thing on the door that indicates just clean. Oh, no. That's rough for him. <laughs> I know which one so you're talking rough. about, too. Yeah, and I did everything I could to take care of it. Like, I'm not just going to leave that situation the way that it would have been if I were maybe a slightly less considerate person, but it definitely wasn't as clean as he wanted it to be when he signed that sheet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what are bathrooms for so though bad. in the end? I know, but, and like, I, I felt like he could sense what was happening. He probably does. Yeah. yeah he worked that job long yeah. enough. You, you can tell the yeah. look when it's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to our friend here who says, I need reassurance that I'm not a monster. I can't help you. I mean, the reassurance is that we're all monsters, you know, they're you among go. the monsters. Yeah. You never had any chance of being any better. And that, you know, there's, there's peace in that. Um, the other thing to consider, just I'm, I'm still thinking about this WNBA thing, you know, about their <laughs> general, uh, okay. They always have like, like I know that for a while and I, I don't, I mean, this is why I would assume that Brittany Griner got caught up in things. It used to be and may still be that the biggest market for WNBA was Russia, but that you can make a lot of money in the off season by going over and playing in foreign leagues. And I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you talk about, uh, I'm not sure that Taiwan's the number one place I've wanted to visit in my life. I'm sure it's fine. If I got the chance to go over there and play basketball, I would do it. But, uh, you know, it, it seems nice, the idea of, uh, of of going abroad to play sports. So just because going abroad's cool. Like, just having a, a, a you know, a, a real understanding of a, a foreign country from some extended time there. Whenever I did the semester in Rome, one of the RAs was like half RA, half... Uh, he had played basketball at the University of Dallas. And the way the Italian leagues are set up in the first league, uh, it's a free-for-all. You can do the rosters however you want. In the second tier league, you can only have one American per team. And then in the third league, it's back to being free-for-all. You can do whatever you want. So he played in the third league. And who knows if he would have been in the second league if he couldn't. I mean, he, you know, he played D3. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's... Second league Italian or not, but uh, he he played on, you know, one of the little suburban Rome basketball teams. And I just have to assume few people were living better than him as a, you know, 23-year-old, 24-year-old. Like the the school let him just hang out in, in exchange for him, you know, watching us and making sure we didn't 
uh, drink too much, like on a couple of the, the trips. And then aside from that, he just practiced and played basketball against grown Italian men who smoked a pack a day. That seems like the life to me. Dude, I think I told you this when I read the Dirk book, but by far the most interesting part of the Dirk book to me, and maybe it was because, you know, I knew a lot of that stuff from listening to him give bad radio an hour to two hours every year. And just like the exhaustive coverage of, of Dirk over the years, by far the most interesting stuff was there were probably five or six chapters that uh, focused almost exclusively on Holger. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Holger's life was. Sounds great. And it just seemed amazing. Yeah. Right? Running around the, Germany, the, shooting hoop. The league. Yeah. The leagues that he played in, like the different leagues across Europe that he played in, uh, the travel just seemed, I don't know. It was a very, uh, like weird combo of like Bohemian and athletics. And it's, it seemed pretty freaking cool. Do you think if he was born in New York that uh, he would have coached an NBA team? Holger? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess, I guess I don't know because I definitely got the sense from, from reading that, that he was a, he's a difficult person. Now, that's not to say that there aren't ton, tons yeah, of NBA so coaches who are not, yeah, that are not very difficult people, but, um, He just has a very, but you know, like Larry Brown and a lot of the guys who seem like difficult people that are NBA American coaches, they're all like really glossy bullshitters. Yeah. And so I I don't, I don't know like how, you know, I guess the question is how different is Holger's personality if he's not German, because he presents in that book as like the most German human being of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to Very little tolerance. Yeah. So just, you know, the the brilliant NBA mind, they're mostly just freaking slick suited bullshitters, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. So if he grows up in New York, he, maybe he gets that. And yeah. Maybe, so maybe that's, he gets I guess, an NBA coach. Yeah. Win a title at Kansas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Klosterman, Chuck Klosterman taught over there for a semester and, uh, the thing he said about it that I remember the most is that they, they just don't laugh. Like, or they do laugh. They, like, laugh normal times. Like, if they went to a comedy show, they, they'd be having a good time. But, like, the laughing, like, conversational laughing, like, to, you know, just kind of whatever, move it along, like, normal, you know, fucking stuff. Which I don't, I, I don't like that. I Like, whenever I hear myself do it, I judge myself harshly. I'm like, you fucking idiot. You sound like a dipshit. Uh, but like, uh, they, they just don't do it. They're above it, which sounds nice, but you'd have a hard time getting through an NBA boardroom like that. Didn't he describe like at the grocery store, you know, just like, cause I thought about that for a long time when I went to the grocery store after I read that, uh, essay, like there's nothing funny happening here yet. I can hear somebody laughing like every three or four minutes. Yeah. Nothing funny happening there (laughs) at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and like that just in germany he just noticed yeah this they, they don't prompt with laughs and i hate i hate how much i do it on the air i hate it see I that's hate listening back to stuff because nah, it's not that's that i wrong. don't like my voice i don't like over laughing which i absolutely do no you need to do it uh, on the air it's like i mean 
of course, there's times that I've heard myself do it that I'm like, that one didn't sound good. It was obvious how unnatural that was. But like, I don't know, work, working with the muses, we've talked about this a million times, uh, really drove home to me how important, like, just how much of being a good radio host is how you're reacting to what other people are saying whenever they're saying it. Like, if you're able to lift other people up with a, and like laughter just, you know, it sounds like people are having fun. Like the human brain reacts to that of like, oh, I am enjoying this. Like, it's so essential for good radio hosting. I, I feel like I don't do it enough. Uh, there's all times I listen back and I'm like, that guy just said something that was good. The listener doesn't know that I, like, how would they know I liked it? By me, like, quietly sitting there and in my head being like, hmm, that was funny. Like, that's what I do half the fucking time. That is that any good for radio? It's not. Uh, so I don't know, dude. I, I hear what you're saying, but I think you do a great job. I enjoyed hey, your show hey, on pal, Monday. Thanks. I listened to the whole Monday show. Yeah, I appreciate show. that. Yeah. I'll go cool. back and try and grab the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I just I just love Super Bowl week. I just think it's it's so much fun. Dude, the one we had yesterday was was just an all-time day. I mean, I like Jack. again, we Jack is an interesting kid, man. It's uh and it's, you know, one of our uh, very uh very dedicated listeners, Robbie, the dog walker. Dog, yeah. he's not a dog walker. Brian's a dog walker. He's Robbie, the dog trainer, uh, who played in bands with me for like three or four years. Is uh, Jack's cousin? Wow. Yeah. That's small world. And the other guy that played in the other guy that played in bands with us, Heath, uh, obviously also his cousin. He was Robbie's cousin. I would, uh, it was just the three of us for three or four years, and so yeah, it is very, very weird, but. Uh, it's also very weird just to be around a guy who's 22 for like an entire week. Yeah, I'll bet. That's like he feels he feels like he's my son. That's how different <laughs> yeah. we are. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. absolutely no there's no common ground whatsoever. Uh just watching him at the media party, like every single place that had food, he's just banging through it. Every single bar, I'm like, "Dude, you still have a drink?" And he's just like, "I don't care. This is all free." Uh, he's just, the, the world is his oyster this week and it's been pretty awesome to see. And there was a funny moment too. Cause like, imagine if you were 22 and going on this trip, I would love it. I know you would love it, but like we were intimidated by some of the, you know, ticket personalities when we were 26 and working there, like in programming. I mean, I think the thing that you would point out often at the time is that you did not feel I was sufficiently intimidated. So I think I could do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm probably more speaking for myself. But uh, we were all standing around and uh, he was talking about like apps where you meet girls. Yeah. You know, nice. And he was like, uh, you know, just I just kind of worry, though, because he's like, uh, you know, you meet somebody you don't even know. He's like, and then, you you know, you go meet up with them. You know, and you just, you only know him from online. And uh, he's like, who knows, dude? Like somebody could say something about you and get you canceled. And I was like, Jack, no one gives a fuck about you, man. I was like, no one's going to cancel you. What does that even mean? And like everyone laughed about him. Oh no! And then like a few minutes later, he was like, hey, dude, like, I'm sorry. Like, are we cool? And I'm like, shut oh, up, dude. No. <laughs> I was like, it's not, we're just, I was like, we're all just joking yeah, around. Yeah, that would like, be. Trust me, man. It's, but I, that's when it kind of hit me. Like, he's so intimidated that any sort of joke made at his expense. He's like, did I screw up? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. 
was like, don't, don't, dude, you're awesome. I was like, we're all very excited to have you here. Don't worry about it at all. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, I don't know. He's a, he's a great dude. But yeah, dude, you got to hear it today. I mean, having calling Angelo Cataldi and having him actually believe that Michael Irvin sat down at our table early because we had Irvin <laughs> book next <laughs> and having him like give legitimate like uh, remembrances of his times with Michael Irvin. He's like, Michael, I just always loved having you on the show. You know, here's Joe. Oh, every time, buddy. And they were like having a moment together. And they were like legitimately sharing, uh, you know, these history. I don't know, dude. It was so funny. And like just did, watching Joe sit let down and put on. No. At no point? No. He's just like, I had a good talk with Michael today? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. That's yeah. wild. The whole yeah, and I mean, if he knows, he's never indicated that. Uh, yeah, because he just—we've done it two or three times, and every time he's like, "Love, love him." Every time you guys have Mike along with me, yeah, he has, <laughs> a, he has a coop-like seriousness to him. Yeah, but he's also—I don't know—I was going to say not a dick. Coop's always been nice to me, but Angelo is just like an extremely sweet guy. I like Coop, but very serious. Very serious. I want to get great. I want to see if Coop will uh, will host the weekend show with me sometime. I don't know if he's officially part of the roster or not. I'm going to find out. That, that sounds that sounds like it would be an incredible experience for you. Just want to talk movies and music with Coop. Hey, man, you ever think like you might be kind of like no fixated don't. on stuff? Have you ever don't noticed you this. fixate more than the average person? Uh, I'm not in a position to comment on that sort of thing these days. <laughs> Did you see uh, Pro Life Spider Man? No. So uh, I was already at the convention center, and I called Davey and I said, "You know how how quickly do you think I can get down there and back?" And he was like, "You'll be cutting it extremely close." Mm, um, that's tough. So no, I did not. Um, but dude. That's what I'm telling you, man. Like, there's a lot yes. of shit. Like, there's not I know. not everybody scaling it. scaling a building. Granted, but there's just a lot of shit like that going on down here. Like Dude, a I, lot. I just feel really alive thinking about a guy climbing a building so the disabled woman won't have an abortion. He's just like, what? What about this? What if I climbed a building? Then, then would you keep this baby? Can we can we make this baby come? Can we can we get him alive? Can we keep him alive? And his. His website looks exactly like I thought it would, meaning it sucks and is awesome. Uh, he mentioned uh, pro-life Wolverine in one of the things. He's like, I'm yeah, pro-life Superman here with pro-life Wolverine. And uh, I'm very – first of all, we were discussing this at breakfast this morning. There's no way that Wolverine's pro-life. After all that he's seen, he, no one like loves and appreciates the sweet release of death more than Wolverine. Uh, but just wondering what exactly would qualify him to be pro-life Wolverine. I, I found his profile, looked at him. It's not even that he has a beard. He just has a bushy mustache. It's not oh, even a full no. beard. It's just a mustache. It's That's insane. That's disrespectful dude. to pro-life Spider-Man because he's Absolutely. actually climbing. He's, he's doing Spider-Man-like activities. It's disrespectful to all manner of different things. The unborn <laughs> children, Wolverine, 
pro-life Spider-Man. <laughs> Dr. X. Yeah, Dr. X for sure. <laughs> I think oh, Dr. Yeah. X was the, uh, uh, George Dijon's co-host. Uh, Professor X is the leader of the x Damn it. I felt so good about that one. Well, there is a Dr. X in your life. That's why. Damn it. I really thought I had something there. I, I think that you did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Unless you got any more about the various cast of pro-life characters you're surrounded by. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's it for, no. for us for the week. I'm, I'm going to try and do something tomorrow. I know that you're busy, so I'll try and get some content for the people out. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, for making time today. Yeah, thank you. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. See you, man. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.